Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. We're going to get started in uh, verse 8 here in just a minute. Um, Hope you're on track with your Bible reading. If you are, you finish 2 Corinthians today, and you'll start Galatians tomorrow. All right, so we are more than halfway done. If you're, if, you're on, if you're on track, you know that because you flipped the card over already, and you're on the back side. If you don't have a card, grab one. You can at least start in Galatians and read all the way through to the end of Revelation with us, um, and you'll, you'll know that you've gotten that far in the Bible. So it's, it's, a, good thing. it's a good thing to do. So 2 Corinthians is an interesting book. Uh, we actually looked at chapter 1 on Tuesday night, if you were here Tuesday night, and talked about how the consolation of God, the comfort of God, is greater than our problems. We had that little word study there uh, in verse number 5, how the sufferings of Christ abound, but the consolation <coughs> aboundeth. It's greater. It's more. It's, an, it's of a greater amount. And so Paul continues his arguments with the Corinthian church. He's had to write this second letter because they didn't get it the first time. <laughs> they, they took the instruction that he gave them, in the first letter to the Corinthian church, but they went too far. You know, they not only uh, churched the fellow who was engaged in sexual sin, they ostracized him even after he repented and wanted to come back. So Paul had to write this second letter and say, hey, it's, you, the whole point of church discipline isn't making people sad. It's not punishing people. The whole point is restoration. It's about bringing people back into fellowship. And this fellow's repented. You need to bring him back. And he... He goes on, and in chapter 2, chapter 3, he's kind of defending his ministry, saying, I've got every right to call you out on these things. I really do. I have every right. God's given me this, this ministry, and, and, uh, you know, and, and I haven't been mean towards you. I haven't, I haven't hurt you. When I was with you, I didn't use you. We didn't abuse our position with you. Um, and, uh, and I love chapter 2, verse 14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. <clears throat> And makes manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Right? And so uh, in chapter 3, he continues saying, you know, we're not commending ourselves. We're not saying we're so wonderful. But we're saying, look at, what's, look at what you've been taught. You are our living epistle. I mean, you know, the fact that you've moved from death to life, that you've, Move from the law to grace. You know, this is, this is a good thing. And um, so we, we get down to verse 1 of chapter 4, and there's that therefore again. I always wonder what that therefore is. Going back, looking back at what he just talked about, how the ministry uh, of Christ is spiritual, it's glorious, it's, it's not legalistic. Um, you, know, uh, it, it, you know, Moses saw God and his, his, he saw the back shoulder of God and his face glowed and they had to put a veil over his face and, and, and Paul's arguing hey we're, we've got even more than that you know we've got this incredible ministry um, 
But the ministry isn't always full of good times. There's always troubles. There's always heartaches. Um, and some of you here are struggling with the crawl to full-time ministry. I've talked to several of you guys, and you're, you know, you're wondering whether or not God wants you to go into full-time ministry, whether or not God's calling you to preach, pastor, be a missionary, whatever. And, and I'm, I want to tell you tonight that if you can flip burgers and be good with God, do it. If, you, if, you, if, if, if Unless nothing else will make you satisfied in Christ than to preach the gospel, then, then and only then <clears throat> preach. Because the ministry is hard. The ministry is full of tough times. Serving God in your local church is hard. It's full of heartache. You're going to constantly, you know, if you want to know how, how, how much heartache there is in local church ministry, ask my son sometime. You know, he had probably half a dozen best friends growing up. And his best friends were always leaving him because their families were leaving the church. <laughs> so his heart was constantly being broken almost every year because, you know, this guy who was his best friend, now he's gone. And it's not Luke's fault. It's not his friend's fault. You know, the family left. You know, and sometimes it wasn't because they were mad. Sometimes they moved, <coughs> went, to, went to other parts of the country or whatever. But, you know, there's heartache in the ministry. Um, and Paul's saying, you know, our gospel um, it's for the lost. It's, 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 it's for those that are blinded, you know. And um, um, verse 6 of chapter 4, for, for God who commands the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light to the, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of, may be of God and not us. So he's saying, listen, last thing we want you to do is to lift us up Make us greater than you. We're just earthen vessels just like you. We're clay. We're, we're molded in the, in the shape God wants us to be in, and sometimes God breaks the vessel, puts cracks in us intentionally, lets the, lets the glory seep out of us. You know, don't put us on a pedestal. You know, this is why I'm a firm believer uh, that the, 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 the clergy and the laity should not have this big division between the two of them. You know, that's why you don't see me wearing robes. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't make myself out to be, I, I don't take titles very easily, you know. Um, I hate the title reverend um, because the psalmist says God is holy, holy and reverend is his name, you know. And I, I just don't like, I don't like the title reverend. I, there's nothing to reverence about me, you know. I mean, biblically, I could take the title bishop if I wanted to. Don't want it. Got no interest in that, you know. I don't want to be seen as above anybody. I'm just a human being like you, you know. So is your pastor at your church. It's just a human being like you. And Paul says, this is the, this is the great thing, though, is that God uses us, us earthly vessels, our, uh, these simple people to proclaim his gospel. But because we're earthen vessels, because we're still in our flesh, verse 8 starts the, the lesson tonight. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest 
in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Paul says, I'm a full-time minister of Jesus Christ, but it ain't all glory. There's hard times. There's tough times. There are things that are, you just can't complete. He says, I'm troubled on every side. You ever feel closed in, you know, cramped? No matter what you do, it seems like you just can't escape this trap. He says, yeah, I, that's me, but I'm not distressed. I'm not distressed. I, I'm, not, I'm not upset about this. I'm perplexed, but not in despair. I, I can't explain. I'm at a loss to explain why things are the way they are, they are in my life. Anybody feel that way? I just can't even, I don't even understand what's going on right now. But I'm not hopeless. I'm good. He says, I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. Hey, I'm, I'm chased by the enemy every day. But God has yet to abandon me. He is not abandoning me. I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Sometimes I feel like I've been thrown to the ground. Anybody ever been thrown to the ground except in training? Yeah? Ever been in a fight where you've been thrown to the ground? Yeah, that ain't fun. It hurts, right? He says, I'm thrown down, but I'm not dead. Still breathing. It's okay. See, in this life, we're always going to have troubles and trials. Verse 11 again, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We which live in Christ are always delivered unto death. We're always going to have troubles. Why? So that the life of Jesus Christ might be made manifest in our lives. Listen to Philippians 2.4. Look not every man to his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found fashioned of a, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Sometimes we think, this is too much for God to ask of me. God's asking too much of me. And yet, he hasn't yet asked you to go to the cross. Has he? He hasn't yet asked you to go to the cross. He hasn't yet asked you to martyr yourself for his sake. You know, the, the, the big controversy on Facebook these last two weeks, that lady put the picture of the 21 martyrs, Egyptian martyrs, and the, the Islamic terrorists standing behind them in black hoods with their swords drawn. You know, those, those 21 men lost their heads for Jesus Christ. You know, and they were executed because they believe in Jesus and they refused to refute, they refused to deny Christ. You know, and Facebook banned the lady who put that on and then they put her back on. And, you know, and then uh, I think Franklin Graham, a couple other people, uh, no, it was Eric Metaxas. Uh, it's like, okay, I want everybody who follows me to make this their cover page, <laughs> their cover photo, you know. Uh, why? Because we need to remember that there are people out there who actually have been asked to go to the cross. They have been asked to die for the sake of Christ. And would we do that? Paul says, but you're still breathing. You haven't been asked to die yet. So it's okay. You're cast down, but you're not forgotten. You're not destroyed. We are always exposed to death. Trials will always be with us. So you, ask, you have to ask yourself the question, why would I want to live like this? Why would I want to live this life? 
because to live this life brings life to other people. He says, um, verse 12, so then death works in us, but life in you. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith as according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thankful thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For this cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While that we look, at, look not on the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, suffering reveals not just the weakness of our flesh, but it reveals the glory of God working in us. When we suffer, other people see it. When we suffer with grace, other people see it. You call yourself a Christian. You are here on a Friday night listening to this old guy preach out of the Bible. You ain't like every other Marine, right? You know, if you were like every other Marine, you'd be somewhere completely different. You'd be somewhere a lot darker than this room, right? Hiding, because you'd be doing stuff you know you shouldn't be doing. So you're different, and everybody in your shop knows you're different, and they're watching you. So when you take the troubles that this world throws at you with grace, you are an example. You are actually preaching the gospel as you take those heart those heartaches and pains. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Paul goes on and explains this sort of thing throughout this book. And then at the end, he talks about his personal issue. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, when Paul first met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, his eyes were blinded by the glory of Christ. And scales grew over his eyes. And a few days later, an old man came to him who was told by God to go pray for this Pharisee. The old man didn't want to do it because this Pharisee had been killing Christians. But God said, do it. The old man went out of obedience and put his hands on Paul and prayed for him. The scales came off his eyes. Problem is, blessings are never permanent. Don't ever forget that. Blessings are always temporary. God helps you with a health issue right now. doesn't mean you're not going to have another one down the road or that that one might not come back. And Paul's scales over his eyes came back on him throughout his whole life. Paul suffered through this all the time. So that was how Paul knew that the glory of God was upon him, that people were getting saved, people were hearing the message, and people were changing their lives because he was preaching the gospel. According to the, the gospel of Barnabas, an early first century Christian writing, which is not part of scripture, but it's an early writing, Paul was about four foot seven. He was very rotund. He had a hooked nose, close set eyes, bushy eyebrows, and was prematurely bald. <laughs> and he had scars all around his eyes from the scales, the ophthalmia, the, the constant weeping and oozing and losing his eyesight all the time. 
How is a guy like that attracting crowds? How is a guy like that getting 25,000 people to, to, to storm the temple of Diana and cry, great is Diana, and condemnation to Paul, right? How is that happening? It's because the God, glory of God's on his life. The power of God's on his life. And he's the only, it's, it's the only way it could happen. Paul did not have a million-dollar smile or a $700 suit or a television ministry reaching all around the world. Nobody want to put Paul on the television, right? So he says, I asked God three times, please just take these scales away. Oh, everything, just please take this away from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And Paul said, okay, then I'm just going gonna, gonna to glory in this. When I, when I get weak, when everything falls apart, when I, when this, when I, don't, when I can't see, I'm going to take pleasure in that because I know that the power of God is resting on me. This has actually become a blessing to me. The pain that I'm experiencing is actually a blessing to me. Listen to Jeremiah 18.4. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. This is what Paul is alluding to back in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. God regularly cracks our vessels so that some of the blessing he's put in our lives will spill out on other people. Because we tend to be sponges and not spigots. We tend to just take it in and hold it for ourselves. When God does not bless us so that we can have blessing, he blesses us so we can turn around and return it out to someone else. That's why he blesses us. Like I said, blessings are temporary. J. Hudson Taylor said, All of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on him being with them. Best preachers I've ever known were little fellows you would never think would have any power in the pulpit. Lester Turner, pastor, founding pastor of Emerton Baptist Church in Bel Air, Maryland. My goodness, that man was about five foot four. He weighed about 75 pounds soaking wet. And he was the most call, he was the most quiet little in just, hey brother, how you doing? But when that man, little man got behind the pulpit, all of a sudden the power of God, I mean that that voice got it, it made me sound wimpy. I'm telling you, that, that little guy, he could preach, and people were saved. I mean, that, that church grew, and it was just the power of God on his life. It was amazing. And then as soon as he stepped down from the pulpit, he was just this meek little fellow again. <laughs> hey, how you doing? And it's just real quiet. But in the pulpit, man, just the power of God on his life. You know? And, and story after story of that, I can tell you about guys that are just like that. God doesn't call the mighty. He doesn't call the pretty. He doesn't call the talented. He calls the base and the hated and the despised things of this world so he can confound the mighty. That's what he does. He don't call television preachers. He calls the guy that's willing to stick with a little church of 90 people for 20 years and just stay there. Amen? That's, who he, that, that's who's got the power of God on their life because lives are being changed. Listen, verse 12 again. So then death works in us, but life in you. John Henry Jowett said, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If your faith hasn't cost you anything, what's it worth to you? If it hasn't cost you some friendships, if it hasn't cost you some pleasures, 
that hasn't cost you some time, what's it worth? Why are you even bothering with it? As you serve God, don't forget there's a price to pay for being faithful. There's a price to pay. The test of a true ministry is not stars, but scars. Galatians 6.17, from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So we have this spirit of faith that we have to uh, cultivate. Verse 13, we have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. It's just an attitude of confidence. We have to understand that the things that come against us, they're not going to destroy us. Paul just said, nothing can harm me, and ultimately I'm on the victor's side, so what am I worried about? Why am I complaining? Jesus conquered death. What am I afraid of? You shouldn't fear anything. Story told of John R. Rice in Cincinnati one year back in the, I think it was in the late 60s. He was walking back to his hotel from the camp, from the revival meeting. He preached at a big church there in Cincinnati. Might have been John Rawlings Church. I'm not sure. But apparently somebody walked out of, the, out of an alley, stuck a gun in his gut, said, give me all your money. John R. Rice looked him square in the eye, according to the guy that was with him, and said, don't you dare threaten me with heaven, and kept walking. <laughs> don't threaten me with heaven. I'm not afraid to die. You, are you... Are you willing to take the chance? Because I'm not afraid to die. Is that where we're at? No matter what the economy is like, no matter what your health is like, no matter what your relationships are like, your message is supposed to be one of joy. You're supposed to be showing the joy of the Lord to everybody that comes around you. That's what Paul's saying. Look, verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Hey, let me ask you a question. How much did somebody else suffer so that you could find out about Jesus? How much are you willing to repay that debt by suffering so someone else can find Jesus? Paul continues this joyful talking here in verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. This is a parallel passage to Romans 8.28. For we, all, for we know that all things work together for good to them that, call, they're, they're, they're called according, to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. All things work out in the end. All things are for your sakes. Nothing that you go through is ever wasted. Don't ever think that your life right now is a waste. Because whatever you're going through right now, God is doing, and God is either causing or allowing. There's the commissive and the permissive will of God. He's, he's either causing or allowing things to happen to you right now so that he can mold you and shape you in the, in the, into the vessel he wants. Anybody ever throw clay on a wheel? Yeah. You got to hit that stuff, don't you? You got to pound it, and then you got to get it stuck to the wheel, and, and then you got to you gotta, there's a lot of force that has to be done in order to shape that thing the way you want it, especially if you shape something with a lot of curve to it. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of water. It takes a lot of force. And sometimes you get all the way up to the edge, and the thing goes, right? Now you've got to beat it again and start shaping it again. And sometimes you get it, and it's, it's not bad, but it's just ugly. So you smack it, throw it back on the wheel, start all over again, right? 
That's our lives in God. That's why we read Jeremiah 18, 4. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel. It seemed good to the potter to make it. God's remaking us every day. Just remember this. Whatever began in grace will end in glory. Your life in Christ began in grace. It will end in glory. No matter what happens in the middle, it will end in glory. We read this last week. 1 Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace, who's called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, mature, will establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. The scripture plainly says he's not going to let you mature, he's not going to establish you, he's not going to strengthen you, and he's not going to settle your life until you've suffered a little bit. Maybe for a law, for a good while, you know? Remember looking at Paul's life and the shipwreck? You know, all that stuff happened to him, and he's God's anointed. You know, God promises us pain. He promises us turmoil. He promises us heartache. Because nothing comes without pain. Nothing good comes without pain. What did Joe Wider say, guys? There you go. Somebody knew who Joe White was. Oh, the California guy knew who Joe Wider was, of course. <laughs> I didn't. I just knew what you were referring to. Oh, okay. To. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't lie. Okay. <laughs> no pain, no gain. <laughs> Plain and simple. No pain, no gain. You can't, you, you can't do it unless you, you, you can't look like Schwarzenegger unless you go through a lot of pain, right? Plain and simple. It's got to hurt. You know, you're not going to run the Boston Marathon unless you've ran a lot before that, puking most of the way, right? You've got to put in the time, and you've got to go through the pain in order to get to where you can accomplish that goal. And so God promises pain. But after you've had that pain, he'll bring maturity, establishment, strength, and settlement to your life. Verse 16, for which cause we faint not, this is why we're not afraid. This is why we're not fainting. This is why we're not complaining. But though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, and you've got to remember this. I don't care if it's a sprained knee or cancer. It's a light affliction because you're going to glory eventually. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, and this is a Bible concept you've got to get through your head. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We've come to this false set of beliefs that the spiritual world is not as real as the physical world. When in reality, the spiritual world is far more real than this physical world. Because the physical world is dying. Dying. First law of thermodynamics, you can't create something without nothing, from nothing, right? You've got to have matter in order to create matter. Second law of thermodynamics, everything is deteriorating. Those two laws just destroy evolution right there. Right? Plain and simple. Everything, nothing's getting better. We're not evolving. All you've got to do is turn on Fox or CNN, and you, got, you come to the quick conclusion that the human race is not getting better. Correct? 
We are just getting worse and worse and worse every day. You know? But it's temporary. Because what's going on here is not real. It's not, it's not the ultimate reality because this is all going to come to an end one day. Jesus Christ is going to crack the eastern sky. He's going to step on the Mount of Olives and split the mountain in two. There's going to be a river of water flowing out from underneath the throne of God in Jerusalem. He's going to set up a millennial kingdom. He's going to cast Satan into outer darkness forever, bound him in chains. We're going to, the new Jerusalem is going to come down to, from heaven and settle on this earth. And we're going to be with God forever. Mm-hmm. There's a lie, excuse me. There's a Latin verse I learned from some um, gentleman about maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it said, I already know if I said it right, but it basically translates to English. If you want peace, prepare for war. Mm-hmm. Is that found anywhere? Like that script? Like is that found anywhere in the Bible? No. 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 Um, Bible does very many plainly teach, though, that there is going to be war. We'll always have war. There's going to be an ultimate war at the very end. Um, but there will be peace afterwards. Absolutely. Um, and that's really what we're saying tonight, that, you know, it, we're, we're, our trials are working for us and not against us. The pain that we're going through is working to our good and not to our detriment. So, yes, we're at war right now, you know. But peace is coming. Eternity is coming. Glory is coming. So we're not destroyed. We're not destroyed. Don't think, don't think that your life is completely over because something went bad. Bad things happen all the time. Horrible things happen. Terrible things happen. Lives are destroyed on a regular basis. But we who are still alive are called to move forward, not stop. Keep moving and doing good for others. And maybe, maybe you'll start doing good for others and you'll get hit by a semi. Well, now you're in heaven. So you won anyway. All right? You won anyway, correct? So big deal. You know, we've got to get the right attitude to understand that this life is temporary and it's, there's nothing... None of this is going to last. It's all going to end. I love my life. I love, I, I love my wife and my kids. I love my house. You know, I, I, I love all the stuff that I got, the, my 3,000 books and my 5,000 comic books and, you know, all the stuff that I have. I love all of it. Every single bit of it's going to burn up one day. Every bit of it. When we left for the hurricane, I went into my office and I picked six books that I didn't think I could live without. I took those with us, and I said, okay, if we come back and the house is gone, I still have these six books. That's what I left myself at. I got these six books. But it didn't matter if I had those six books or not, because one day God's going to burn all of them up. This earth's going to be remade by fire. (laughs) So all the stuff that we collect, all the stuff that we hold on to, all these little mementos and everything, it's all going away. You're not going to keep it. Because only Christ is eternal. Amen. Amen. Questions, comments, observations. I like that question there. That was good. Good, adi- good addition to the lesson. What? Anybody else? Yes. 
Also, yeah. I think what ties into it is in Proverbs uh, 12, verse 1. It's like, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think that really ties into the message for today. Yeah. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. I like that. Yeah, because, you know, the only path to true freedom in any sense of the word is discipline. Without discipline, there's no freedom. You know? There's, a, um, there's actually a verse from the Bible that my chaplain just <coughs> about, like, it's a, it helps me, like, a lot mm-hmm. when I feel defeated. Mm-hmm. And I read it every single day. Um, John three sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, For so God loved the world, and he gave mm-hmm. his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have mm-hmm. eternal life. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. that, it's just like, that literally, like, when I'm at my lowest, like, mm-hmm. it literally just picks me back up and just slams me in the sky, like, Reminds you of what Christ did for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I'll ask you, sorry, I spaced out my tablet, sorry. <laughs> but, um, I was going to ask you, like, like what, what can you, like, because, like, I've been learning a lot, like, listening to you. Like, mm-hmm. what can you, like, what some, like, things you can, like, say about that verse? That about John 3.16? Uh, I, we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> I, I'll tell you this much. I had a friend, Bob French, old preacher. He was my he was my prophecy professor in college, and Bob pastored uh, Darlington Missionary Baptist in Darlington, Maryland. And he decided one time he was going to preach through John three sixteen and get everything out of it he could possibly get out of it. Three months later, preaching every Sunday morning, he had gotten to for God so. That's as far as he had gotten, for God so, because he was taking every, ver- every word apart and explaining why God put each one of those words into it. And he finally had to give up. I don't think he ever got, uh, I don't think he got past love the world. I think it was a year into it or something, you know. My what? Simplest take on it? Just that, okay, I think John 3.16 is best. Uh, illustrated by God commends his love towards us, shows us how much he loves us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much God loves us. And we didn't have we don't we can't become good enough for God to love us. We can't make ourselves good people. We can't clean ourselves up enough to get into church. We have to accept the fact that he died for us while we were still filthy, no good, rotten sinners doing all the things that are against God's will. That's when he died for us. Now, because he did, the opportunity exists for us to turn to him and in faith accept what he did for us. And in doing so, we receive the second birth, the spiritual birth that, he, that Jesus talked about in John chapter 3, which is you must be born again. Because Christ died for us, we have the opportunity to accept what he did um, and, 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 and invite him into our lives. And in doing so, he enters in our, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and gives us a second birth. And that second birth is the spiritual birth. You had a first birth, which was physical. Jesus says that's the birth through the water, through the, through the mother's womb, through the water of the womb. You have to have a born in the water. You have to be born in the spirit. You have to be a physical human being. And then you have to have a spiritual birth, a second spiritual birth. And the spiritual birth is every bit as violent and eye-awakening as the first birth. Because in the first birth, you were good. You were cool. I mean, I got all this stuff. I, I, everything I want is coming right into my belly. I don't have to chew. 
you know? It, it, I got all these nice sounds around me. I'm comfortable. I can stretch any way I want. I can kick like crazy, and Mama can't do a thing about it. And then all of a sudden, a guy in a mask robs me from my home, right? And then he smacks me, right? And it's violent, and it's, 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 it's eye-opening. All of a sudden, you're breathing through your lungs, and you've never done that before. And the thing is, is that if the spiritual birth isn't that way, was it really a spiritual birth? But, and I'm not saying that it's got to be painful. I'm just saying it's got to be a life-changing experience. If it doesn't change who you are, did it even happen? Plain and simple. It has to be a life-altering experience. It has to be a halo drop behind enemy lines under fire. That's exactly what it's got to be. You know, and if it's not, I don't know. Because God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, he died for us. So he, put, he went through these horrible things to show us how much he loves us. It only goes to show that we should see a, a, a radical change in our lives when we accept him as our Savior. Plain and simple. And if there hasn't been a radical change in our lives, we need to ask ourselves, why? Did I actually accept him as Savior? Did I actually let him into my heart? Because when you actually get, when you, when, it doesn't matter whether or not you get a hold of Jesus. What matters is if, if you let Jesus get a hold of you. When Jesus gets a hold of you, you're going to change. You're going to be a different person. Let me tell you something. If he hadn't got a hold of me, I wouldn't be here right now. He changed my life. He made me different. You know, and I guess the real question, the way I guess we went to that tonight to ask this question, has he changed you? Has he changed who you are? So let's, let's do this. Let's, let's close our eyes for a moment. Let's ask the question. No one's looking around, not even JoJo. Close your eyes, girl. Did Jesus Christ radically change your life? If he hasn't, oh, well, look at those arms going up. Good. But if he hasn't, okay, put your arms down. Jesus Christ hasn't radically changed your life. Do you want him to? That's the question for you tonight. Do you want Jesus Christ to radically change your life, make you into someone completely different, make you into the person you know you could be, you should be? Do you want that peace that passes all understanding? Do you want to not be perplexed or distressed when you're surrounded by enemies? Say, that's me tonight. Lift your hand real quick and say, that's me. I want to, I want, I want to be that person tonight. Amen. 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 I, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior tonight. I saw two hands. Any more? I saw someone else. All right. Put your hands down. After we're done, I want you to come and see me. Go see Dennis. Go see Luke. I want you to talk to one of us tonight. I want you to ask us how you can know for sure heaven's your eternal home. We'll help you. All right? Father God, thank you for this night, and thank you for everybody that came out to the service and the good time we had of fellowship and the good time we had around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guess what? It's Friday. Sunday is coming. So get your butt in church. That's right. Sunday morning, church. All right? That's where you're supposed to be Sunday morning.
Don't forget that. I don't say that just to be funny. I mean it. So if you need a church home, you let us know, all right? Next door is open. Enjoy yourselves. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.